live from the mist and shrouded mountaintop fortress that is X and Y Communications Headquarters. You're listening to the world famous Mountaintop Podcast. And now, here's your host, Scott McKay. Hey, hey, gentlemen, how's it going? This is Scott McKay from X and Y Communications, and you're tuned in to another episode of the Mountaintop Podcast. You can find me at Scott McKay on Twitter, Scott McKay on YouTube, Real Scott McKay on Instagram, and also the Facebook group is www.facebook.com front slash groups front slash mountaintop summit. And as always, you can find us at www.mountaintoppodcast.com. With me today is a guy I've known for probably a dozen years now. One of the big names, especially from the early days of men's dating advice. You may know him as AFC Adam from way back when. Nowadays, hey man. He's just plain old Adam Lyons, but he's anything but plain old. He's a very interesting guy. He's uh, in the movie industry. He's also helping coach people with their businesses nowadays, but he has never given up his roots of being a man who wants to help you get better with the women in your life. So without anything further, Adam, man, welcome back to the show. Dude, thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here again. Yeah, man. It's great to catch up with you. You're always such an upbeat guy. Are you ever in a pissy bad mood ever? Uh, it happens sometimes. It's, I, I try and make it rarer and rarer as life goes on, you know? Yeah, life's too short for that. And especially exactly. when you're on camera or behind the mic, it's a very bad condition to be in a poor, pissy mood. Yeah, I heard this great quote the other day, which is, life is 10% what happens to you and 90% how you react to it. Pretty much true. Yeah. Because yeah, a lot of people, especially when something bad happens to them in life, uh, they can take it and let themselves get all butt hurt and give that person who did unto them superpowers for them for the rest of their lives. But on the other hand, I know people who have had things that would make your butthole pucker happen to them. Okay. And they're just happy go lucky. They're like, you know what? I'm going to move on. I'm going to live my life on my terms and I'm not going to let this get me down. It really has a lot to do with mindset, doesn't it? Oh yeah. I think it's so true. And like, you know, we, you know, we can't control the things that happen to us, but I found in my past, the upsets, terrible times, and you know, the horrible moments have all been the stories that became the best stories or helped me build my money and, you know, grow my businesses. So I always look at those bad things and think, you know what, one day I'm going to make money off telling this story. Yeah. One day we're all going to look back on this and laugh, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, you know, it's funny you should mention that because my own story is I had a horrible divorce from my first wife and I hit rock bottom. I mean, talking about having somebody move my cheese, I think somebody moved my whole supermarket back in the day. And I said to myself, okay, here we are, rock bottom. There's only one place to go from here. And I didn't want to be a victim. And I'll tell you, had I not been laid off from that job, had I still been stuck in that marriage, I would probably still be working in corporate America today. And I never would have met my lovely wife I have now. And certainly, well, most certainly wouldn't have been a dating coach like you. So there uh, we go. yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's often the, you know, hitting the bad that catapults us up into the sky. Right. Yeah. So uh, up in the sky, you are nowadays, my friend, you're wildly successful on all fronts, including your relationships. And that's what we want to talk about today. You are just to define this for these guys in a relationship with two women right now. That's correct. Correct. Okay. Yes. How would you define that? How would you describe that relationship? Um, We have been called in the media, like, you know, the Megyn Kelly on the Today Show. Uh, We're on Steve Harvey. And the term they normally use to describe us is a thruple, which is like 
three people. Why couple. not just a triple? <laughs> right? We we liked the term Triforce for a while. Trifles? Yeah, because it's like Zelda. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. But we couldn't uh, we couldn't make that one stick, unfortunately. So Thruple is the one that uh, that that stuck. Or even trio. Like, you know, a yeah, couple is a good. couple like of two trio. things. A trio is a threesome of things. You obviously don't want to call it a threesome because that just gets, you know, too much to the heart of the matter, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, but I, I live with my two girlfriends. We live on the same property. Uh, we have four children between us. And uh, life's good. We've been going eight years we've been in this relationship. Wow. That means it's been at least that since you've been on my show last, because the last time we visited on this particular podcast, and that episode's still up, by the way. I don't awesome. know offhand which episode number it is, but it's probably in the 30s or 40s, I would bet, given the timeline. <laughs> you had just defied your entire audience and actually gotten married to yep. a woman. So the topic of our show in that case was, is marriage for chumps? So she was a beautiful woman, seemed very sweet. I met her actually at a mastermind. So that relationship is no more. And you're in this relationship. What was the journey there? Um, it was amazing. She was a wonderful woman. Um, it's funny. I said to her when we first met, um, but I said to my friend the day before I met her, that's the woman I'm going to marry. Um, and then I did. And our life was great. Everything's wonderful. And her mom developed a, a, a condition, I suppose, where her body was deteriorating and it was linked to pregnancy and the doctors discovered it. And she told my wife, you know, and said, Hey, just so you know, it's hereditary. When you have children, there's a chance your body will do the same thing mine's doing. And my wife, who, uh, you know, she used to be a Ford model. She's uh, incredibly beautiful, said to me, there's so many children in the world that we could adopt. I don't want to have children. I don't want to lose my body. I don't want my, you know, my life to change because of a child when I'm willing to adopt. And I said, I get that, but I've always wanted to have my own children. And this is like a big thing for me. I'm the last surviving family member with my last name. I was like, this kind of means a lot. You know, we're seven parents from seven parents from seven parents. And now there's just one male. I was like, uh, I really want us to have a biological child. And this ended up being a, a two-year discussion that culminated with a very pleasant um, divorce with me filing. I said to her, like, I'm, I'm out. I, you know, I love you. I respect you. I want you to have a wonderful life, but I need to go and meet someone and have children. And she wasn't up for the lifestyle choice that you've made now. Uh, that, that didn't come into it at the time, actually. Interesting. Um, at the time, it was just about the children. And what happened is we opened up our relationship, first of all, as a test to see if we'd be okay with a divorce because like that would be terrible right if you're like yeah i'm gonna leave you to have kids and then a year later you're both like actually i don't want to break up <laughs> right so we trialed uh not a separation but just seeing other people for a couple of years to see if we could meet someone else that we both liked and um i during that time met a number of different women obviously because of the dating thing and she met you know a couple of guys that that she liked and at the time, I got this new best friend who was primarily into women. She you know, was dating girls, and we became really good friends. In fact, she became friends with me and my wife. And my wife said to me once, she's like, oh, it's such a shame she's a lesbian because you two would be so perfect together. And my, my friend, one day, we're out in a bar together, and she looks at me, and she's like, I love you. And I was like, I love you too. And she goes, no, like I would absolutely have sex with you like she's like i i love you and i don't care that you're not a woman like i want you and so uh we start making out and she says listen i've got to tell you something i won't give up women for you ever 
And so I looked at her quick thinking and was like, well, I'm not going to give them up for you either. And that was the start of our journey into polyamory together. Was she interested in maybe being a surrogate for your wife's eggs to have a baby? So I love that you said that. That was it, You're the first person to ask, and that was 100% a discussion we had. We spent about three months discussing that outline, and we were very close to going through that route. And then one of my wife's friends sort of like made fun of her about it, and it just turned my wife off the whole idea. Wow, that's really unfortunate. It, it is, yeah. But having said that, I think it worked out for the best. You know, my wife got to a point where she just wasn't really into kids at all. You know, like it, it really changed. She, you know, you know, maybe this will change and maybe it's all changed already. But at the time she was very anti-motherhood. She'd got to a point where she's like, kids are fun, but I don't want to have one. Right. So, you know, her truth kind of ended up coming out, which is fine. You know, exactly. as long as it's out in the open. Absolutely. And she's still a wonderful person. We were texting literally last week, like, we're still friends. We still communicate, but you know, we've both moved on. Um, she's, you know, got a great career and she likes traveling the world and I've got four beautiful children who I'm obsessed with. And they're all yours. Uh, yeah, there, there's one who biologically isn't mine. Um, the, uh, you know, one, one of the women I'm with had a child from a previous relationship. Right. Um, but he came into my life when he was one year old and he's known me as dad since he could speak. And, uh, you know, his biological father is into uh, extracurricular activities that shouldn't be mentioned. And he's, you know, he phoned up one day uh, when my son was uh, on his fifth birthday and said, just tell my son that I'm dead. I don't want anything to do with him. So basically, we're talking about a father who is not in the child's life. <laughs> Absolutely. Mildly. Yeah. So he's my son. Yeah. Um, I'm dad. 100%. And at this point in life, I don't care what happens. Like, I'll always be his dad. Yeah, you know, in the case of Emily and I, I had a daughter and she had a son. And mm -hmm. interestingly enough, her son was a couple years older than my daughter and they got along famously. It was great. I mean, they even look alike. <laughs> so, so when Emily and I were dating and we went out and about, people thought they were our two kids. <laughs> uh, but of course they were step siblings. And then Emily and I have gone on to have another son, which was my first biological son. And then we had a little daughter who's now seven, who's Emily's first biological daughter. So, you know, basically God has smiled upon us for no apparent reason we've deserved. And uh, it's oh, wonderful. that's so sweet. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, man. Now, as these guys know, Emily and I are monogamous. We're monogamous mm -hmm. by choice. That's what we want to do. I haven't seen it fit to invite any other women in my life besides Emily. I don't think Emily has a whole lot of bisexuality in her being. Um, I certainly don't. And that's something we're happy with. And I have to tell you, Adam, it makes things convenient when it comes to family members and friends and even potential employers of which, you know, we're self-employed nowadays as you are, which, which takes that off the table. But, um, I know for people when they have a polyamorous relationship with two or more people, it sometimes is judged poorly by those in your social circle. Do you guys just kind of slough that off or is it no longer a problem in the year 2019 or what's your experience with that? It's definitely less of a problem nowadays. Um, people still do have an issue with it, uh, but we also don't flaunt it. You know, like one of my favorite questions we get asked is, oh, what do your kids think when they watch you having sex? I'm like, who has sex in front of their kids? <laughs> exactly. no, we don't even have sex in front of the dog. Right. Yeah, exactly. That's awkward. So, you know, 
it's um it's really like we don't make overly public displays of affection it's just three people hanging out so no one really says anything and then every so often we'll get somebody that's seen us online um i've absolutely had somebody walk past me and you know swear at me um and be like you know what you're doing is fucking wrong i've absolutely been in that world um and at a wedding once i had a extended family member try to attack me um for being a asshole physically um, for being yeah so you know there's been a few crazy instances but I've also had a lot more people come up to me and say, thank you for making them feel comfortable in their relationship. Um, I've had people say, because of you guys, I was capable of having a discussion with my husband. I've always wanted about adding a woman into our life and he was receptive to it. So, you know, I think I would say it's easily 20 X the amount of people that have told me they're happy about it than the people that haven't. Well, people have no real business not being happy for you. If you're happy and the two women are happy and everybody's doing well, it's just pure schadenfreude based on some moral relativism. Oh, I agree problem. 100%. And also, we're not what I would say pro-polyamory either. When we first announced what we were doing, we got attacked by the polyamorous community because we're one guy and two women. And they you know, they couldn't believe that the women weren't being abused or or what have you. And, you know, the two women I'm with were very upset about that because they're like, wow, these these people are attacking us like we don't have a say in the matter. And, you know, they missed our story. It wasn't led by me. It was led by one of the girls. Like, she wanted women. You know, like, I was like, uh, sure, if that's what you want. But it, it really didn't come from me. It wasn't my idea. Well, polyamory, by definition, can't be shoved in a box. I mean, I, I agree a hundred percent, but it was crazy because we ended up rejecting the polyamorous community and just being like, well, whatever, you know, we'll do our own thing. And, uh, you know, we, we went out there and we just have a real simple message, which is in, in today's day and age, when people are defining their genders the way they want and they're defining their relationships the way they want, we just believe people should, you know, define what they want the way they want. As long as you're not hurting other people, as long as, you know, you're not going out there and, and inflicting harm on others, then, you know, if it works for you and you're all happy and you're communicating well, great. Yeah, and interestingly enough, certainly not everybody who falls under this subheading, but certain factions within the so-called sex-positive community are only sex-positive if you positively agree with what they're doing. If you're deviating from that, you're some kind of bad person and you deserve to be enlightened at best, if not completely punished and pushed down at worst. I've noticed that. It's a little bit, you know, they kind of eat themselves alive a little bit over there. Yeah, absolutely. It really upsets me to to see that. Like, you know, we really do believe in a live and let live kind of world. And I love like, you know, the fact that you guys are monogamous and you're so happy. That's perfect. Like the real key to winning in life is being happy. If you're happy, you've won as far as I'm concerned. It sure is easier on the taxes too. <laughs> yes. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, man. Well, one thing we haven't discussed yet is how this other woman got into the picture. Clearly the first woman you met who presumed she was a lesbian until she met you and didn't want to give up women. Uh, she was the first one to come along and you added another partner into the mix. How did that happen? So we had a lot of deviant nights. I remember there were times where I'd be teaching a student, uh, you know, dating. And then me and my, my first girlfriend, she'd be like, all right, you know, time's up. Let's go pick up women. And the students would hang around after hours to watch us. And we'd go out and pick up three women at once and bring them back to the place. There was a moment, Scott, like it was literally an orgy every night of the week with like four to five women because this woman's insatiable. She just wanted more women. Um, and so like, yeah, it was some pretty crazy nights. Some of the, and like, you know, I used to have really wild nights when I was single back in the day, but these rivaled my twenties. Um, it was wild. 
And we met this one So did one you let woman. the students tag along for those two? Yeah, no, they, they got to watch. I remember at one point we all came back to, to one of our student apartments. We, we often have apartments where people get to live with us and learn. And uh, the student would come back to the apartment, see me and four women. And you'd see this guy's face smiling. And I'm like, all right, bud, this is where we're going upstairs now. And, you know, time for you to go. And he'd be like, oh, but there's four women. I thought I could. I was like, no, man, that's not how this works. He's like, wait, you're going to have all of them? I was like, yeah, yeah, I am. And it was, it was pretty wild. There were some awkward moments, but I was like, sorry, bro, this is just not included. <laughs> you know, <laughs> he was like, wait a minute. I paid a lot for this coaching. I should get the happy ending. Yeah. And I was like, no, you're still going to go and learn, but you know, you get to watch it. <laughs> and it's cool because a lot of those guys actually have now gone on and they do crazy things like that, which, which I'm, I love, you know, and they're like, you know, I'm so glad you made me do it myself because you don't learn anything when someone gives it to you. You know, you really do have to go out there and make it happen. Well, I tell you, having a woman going out and, for lack of a better term, picking up or even recruiting other women to come back with you is the way to do it. Because you can't go around as a man saying, hey, why don't you come home and uh, bang my wife and I? Because they're going to look at you like, is your wife okay with this or what kind of trick are you pulling? Yeah. Anytime you have swingers, you know, people who are living, quote unquote, the lifestyle, the woman typically initiates it. I mean, I've been out. Oh gosh, more times than I can count. Even Emily and I, and we're approached by the female of a swinger couple quite often, you know, kind of testing the waters to see how things go. I remember when I was single, I would date rather conservative women every once in a while, and they would be appalled. They would be just so <laughs> amazed. It's like, is that what I think it was? I'm like, yeah, that's exactly what you think it was. And a lot of times they would say it was what it was. And they would say, I, I'm, I'm all my life. I've never had that happen. I said, well, that's because you weren't with a handsome guy like me yet. <laughs> but it is, it's amazing how that's exactly the modus operandi of how that works. The women go make it happen. And then of course, once they find out that you're in that kind of polyamorous relationship, it's okay. There's no guilt. There's no shame. There's no expectation. And because the woman initiated it, there's not even any, you know, semblance of feeling slutty about it or like you're going to be shamed by a guy or something like that. It's sort of the perfect storm, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. It was really cool because, you know, it was great having this woman that would say to people, oh, yeah, he's just the penis if you need it, <laughs> you know. And so it was all about her and the women. And I was just in the room. But, you know, she would you know share me out with all the women and be like, hey, do this now. Now go take her. And and it was it was wild. It was so nice to almost be the passive observer that gets brought in to enjoy the moment, and I didn't have to do any of the work. Poor Adam, you were just being used for sex. Come on, that's what it was. Yeah, it was tough. <laughs> but how did this particular other woman get involved into the thruple or the trio? Well, she was one of the women from one of the orgies, <laughs> and um, just we, a particularly nice one. Uh, well, actually, they all kind of were. We actually dated a few of them. This one was in Los Angeles. And so whenever we would go to Los Angeles, we would connect with her. And it was cool because all the other women were Austin based. And so we would date them and then the relationship would kind of fizzle and then we'd date a different one. But we would always go and see the one in LA whenever we were there. And so we it developed this sort of long term relationship where whenever we were there, we would have, you know, a connection and then we'd leave again. And I had some work in LA at the YouTube studios where I was helping a lot of these new YouTubers grow their businesses. And we ended up moving there. And once that happened, we needed a place to crash for a couple of weeks. And so naturally, we stayed with our LA girlfriend. And then we got our own apartment. And we'd already lived together for a few weeks at this point. So she would come and visit us and we'd go and visit her. And we ended up dating, you know, like 
three or four nights a week, we'd go to movies together and have sex and eat food. But yeah, one day our kind of girlfriend says to us, I, uh, I need to get a new place. Uh, my place is too small. And we were like, we were thinking about getting a new place as well. Let's all move in together. And that's how it happened. Wow. So it started off as that excellent time proven strategy of having a girl in every port. You know, you're spending time in Los Angeles. You have a woman you see when you're there. I remember I did something similar when I was single and I worked for Lucent. I was in the Bay Area and Chicago and Dallas all the time. And I would always make sure I had a woman to go hang out with because I didn't like just sitting around at night drinking beer with the sweaty dorky engineers in the hotel lobby. I would much rather go out with a beautiful woman and, you know, get some fresh air, (laughs) right? So (laughs) you had a situation where this woman was already in your life as your girlfriend and the two of you, as you would travel, would meet women in other cities. And this one basically turned out to be your favorite and you invited her on board to have the situation pretty much down 100 percent. what's fascinating about it is it really did develop as you would expect a regular relationship would you know we were like kind of seeing each other casually then we got closer and started dating and then casually would move like you know a toothbrush into the bathroom or what have you and the next thing you know you move in together yeah fascinating so what would you say to people who say for example you can't love more than one person I get this a lot. I say, first of all, I'd feel bad if you ever had more than one child um, because, you know, people do love more than one child. Well, that's a really, really good comeback. Yeah, you, you can love more than one pet. That's exactly what it is. Love is just love. Except some people hate their children, so, you know, may fall flat on their <laughs> deaf ears. Yeah, I got, I got four. I don't hate any of them, so I, I, don't, I never understand those people. I'm similarly blessed. It's wonderful. I think the secret to not hating your children is, first of all, wait for it have a good, solid self-esteem, you like yourself, and then marry someone you like. So if you like her and you like yourself, chances are you're going to like whoever pops out of the womb. Right. And also you got to remember, you're raising them. <laughs> if you don't exactly. like them, that's on you. Right. Yeah, that's pretty truthful. And also you're having one hell of an influence on what they're like. Right. Exactly. I love my kids. My kids are all like nerdy, dorky, kind of cool extroverted, fun people. <laughs> <laughs> Same. Uh, and I would add gritty and tough and smart ass to my two. Yeah, yeah I've got younger. smart ass, but I've got like 50-50 gritty and tough. I've definitely got one of my boys is like a real softy. I'm always trying to get him to hang out with tough kids that can beat him up a bit so he can like toughen up. I take him BMX racing, man. That's what we did. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, I take him uh, I take him to like do martial arts and stuff like that sometimes. Ah, similar. Yeah. Anything that causes scuffed up knees and bruised faces is good. That's exactly it. I just figured I'd basically take a little bit better care of my kids' brains. So I made sure it was a sport that I was familiar with. And second of all, you had to strap on a helmet with. Once you have a brain bucket on, you know, you can beat the hell out of the rest of your body, but the head's still intact for, you know, future academic endeavors, which is pretty (laughs) helpful. Yeah. Anyway, enough about me. So I have to ask, the three of you are together. Who are the mommies? Is one the mom of the other three, or did you have one with two of them, or two with one of them and one with the other? So I've got three children with one, one with the other, and we're considering uh, the, the one I've only got one child with. We're we're working towards our second right now, so she's off okay. of birth control. So uh, the one that you have three with, does that include the one you've essentially adopted? Yeah, that's right. Gotcha. Okay, crystal clear. So now, your lifestyle nowadays, are you monogamous between the three of you, or are you still going out and finding other women and partying hard? We're largely monogamous between the three of us. However, there have definitely been situations where we've you know, dabbled with other women. That's definitely happened. 
I would think that if that's part of your history, then it's certainly something the three of you would be okay with. Yeah, I think um, I think a key part is actually I've largely been polyamorous my entire dating life. Like I remember when I was in London before I got married, there were 14 different women that I was seeing in my hedonistic days. So the monogamous part of my life was the strange part. Um, so I was monogamous during my marriage until we decided to open it up. And I'll probably never be monogamous again. Right. Well, you know, it's funny. I know you remember Joseph Thundercat Matthews Yep. from back in the day. And he's moved on to other things, of course. But he used to have a very popular blog and a very popular podcast. And I was on his podcast talking about online dating. And I mentioned that it got out of hand once I finally cracked the code and started getting good at it. And I found myself having said yes to a second date with 16 different women. <laughs> and I suddenly had to juggle my schedule to figure out how I was going to go on another date with 16 other women. And what I figured out was really four or five of them were highly preferable to the other 11 or 12. Yeah. And I sort of didn't have time for all those other women. And, and in the end, the result was, in my estimation, one honking huge rookie mistake. You know, for me, because I just couldn't juggle that many. And that's something I learned the hard way. I ended up wanting to see one of these four or five women all the time. It came down to my preference being one of those four or five women. And of course, once you have that many women in your life, one of them's going to always be available. I mean, there's sort of a pecking order, uh, as harsh as it sounds, or a totem pole, if you want to refer it to as such, where one or two of them really are your favorites. And when they're not available, you start gravitating towards the other three. And unfortunately for the woman who's kind of fifth in the totem pole, uh, you know, she's only being asked out and arranged with like on the fly and not getting much weekend time. And she starts chirping about that after a while and rightly so. So I think one could argue even five is too many to manage. So <laughs> I got to ask you, how did you manage 16 of them? Were they all just in different cities and you kind of saw them only one time or two times a month or whenever? So this was back in the day. So there were 14 and, and that number actually was kind of important because I had daytime and nighttime with a different woman. So I spent half a day with each girl over the period of seven days and they were on a clean rotation. So there was like Monday daytime girl and then Monday evening girl and so on and so forth. Yeah. But what if Thursday afternoon girl you're not in the mood for and you'd rather have Monday morning girl on Thursday afternoon? Yeah. I, I, mean, I was really strict with this stuff. I never broke my routine. Well, see, I think you're more of a left brainer than I am. <laughs> I mean, I wanted to keep it more loosey goosey. I wanted to kind of, you know, let's say I have five exotic cars. I want to figure out which one I want to go drive to the store right now. Uh, that's so funny. Yeah, I'm, um, I've definitely found I get better results with dating when I'm more um, controlled about how I do things. So, you know, e even the way that I teach, it's always if then, if then, you know, if you do this, then this will be the result, then do that. <laughs> and it's all mapped out. So, yeah. Now, see, when I coach guys, they get in trouble for thinking like that because they go on an if-then loop where they visualize themselves into oblivion. But you're, of course, too confident and too experienced for that. But I was like you. I would spend the day with one woman and the evening with another, and that certainly wasn't uncommon. And sometimes I just wanted a break, but it was amazing how I usually didn't get one. I had a woman with me almost all the time, which I'm sure you did too. One thing that was a feature of my single life, this is all before I met Emily, by the way, gentlemen. Once I met Emily, I didn't have any need for any other women, and that's a fact. I had women who were in other cities, like I said. So when I went to the Bay Area, which was like maybe once or twice a month, I'd see her. Uh, another two or three of them in Chicago. And 
back in San Antonio, I had that core of four or five women I could manage. And I did have a woman who lived like an hour away and a woman who lived like three or four hours away closer to the Mexican border down to McAllen and another one in Brownsville. And I would only see them like once a month. So there was built in break time from seeing each other with those women. And that admittedly sort of allowed me to creep up the number of women I was seeing simultaneously. But um, yeah, man, I was expecting you to say when you had 14 women, they all knew about each other. They were cool with each other and they were all bisexual too. So you'd have like six or seven over at a time. <laughs> so actually they did all know about each other. They were all cool with each other. And I would often have four over at a time. But okay. that was on special occasions. Right, exactly. So back to nowadays, I think we have a practical picture of what's going on here. Uh, mm -hmm. Except I haven't clarified this yet, but it has to be a king-size bed, I'm thinking. California king. Yeah, has to be. You know, There's mm -hmm. no way a queen size is going to fit with two queens. Nope. And a king. <laughs> it has to be king size. All right, so... One of the things I imagine you hear a lot is something that I want us both to debunk sky high and give these guys a new vision for what's possible. You ready? Mm -hmm. You know what's coming. <laughs> oh, my God, Adam. Irma Gerd, Adam, you're like the luckiest man in the world to have two women. You get to have two women you're living with. Well, it can't be about the two women because two women isn't enough if you're able to get lots of women. You know what I mean? Like when a guy says to me, oh, I'm going to go buy a Corvette so I can get women. Uh, dude, I tell them, you're getting a Corvette so you can get woman. There's only two seats in the thing. What are you going to do? Strap another one to the hood like a deer you just killed? <laughs> you know, you need like a nice Audi S6 or something that you can fit four other women in comfortably and still have some horsepower. You know, and guys just don't think like that. They think I'm going to get a Corvette so I can go get a girl, you know? So the thought process I imagine guys come to you with is kind of similar to what I heard a talk radio personality on a sports talk radio channel say one time when Tony Parker broke up with Eva Longoria. Why in the world would you break up with her? She's so hot. Well, you know, he can get another hot woman. He can get another famous woman. Together, they probably had six or eight other hot famous women together every night. Kind of the lifestyle you're talking about. But guys just have that limiting belief, don't they? That, oh my goodness, you're so incredibly lucky, and I would trade places with you in an instant because you have two women. Go imagine such a thing, right? <laughs> I love that you say that, by the way, about the car. It's totally the reason why I bought a Maserati instead of a Ferrari was because they have four seats in them. <laughs> 100%. So funny. Yeah, I imagine yeah. you have, like us, well, my, my wife drives a full-size SUV that can probably haul 12,000 pounds. Because we have to haul everybody. Yep. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, that's my car. And then we have the, uh, we have like a, a Porsche Cayenne for, for more family yeah, stuff. Car. <laughs> yeah, yeah that's, exactly. That's how we roll around here. Too. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I think, you know, a lot of people do think I'm incredibly lucky in this situation. And, you know, I always tell people, I've never believed in luck. Like luck just isn't a factor. Um, you know, it really is planning and systems and knowing what we're doing and, you know, at no point was it luck. At all points, it was known what's going on. And, you know, like you say, like, yeah, you know, sometimes we'll, we'll add other women to the, you know, to the environment. In fact, the first time we ever had sex, there were three women. Um, but, you know, like, and of course, it's not always perfect, right? Sometimes there are arguments and there are discussions and, you know, you get into disagreements about the ways you're going to raise the children. And we're really strict on that, actually. Um, all disagreements about how to raise the children have to be when the children aren't present. So, 
sometimes one of them will say something and add a punishment and then we'll all go into a private room later that night and then we'll be like all right i think that punishment was pretty harsh we need to do something about it we'll give them a way to get out of it because you know you overreacted yeah we have executive sessions like that just the two of us yeah exactly it's so important (laughs) and you know in many ways our relationship does follow the regular rules of relationships um and there are changes some things are harder right like uh, my women actually, their ovulations have synced, so their period ends up being at the same time. But still, that week is absolute hell. Um, and so, you know, there are disadvantages. Um, you know, the bed gets really hot with three people inside it. Um, and so we've got to a point now where actually we're going on eight years into this relationship. We have separate beds now because we sleep better. And so that becomes a factor after a while. So, you know, we'll we'll move into the same bed depending on who wants to have sex or or how we feel. So the relationship's constantly evolving and we're constantly finding new ways to do things that are better than the previous way. Um, and we're always open to the fact that it could change again. One of the two girlfriends, the, uh, the one that primarily likes women, she's on vacation right now for five days with another woman in New York. And, you know, she's, her and this other woman are getting pretty close. They're not, they've not been sexually intimate yet, but there's every chance that they could form some kind of relationship. And that's cool too. And then, you know, that woman has showed somewhat of an interest in in the rest of us as well. Who knows what the future lies? I'm not saying that's going to happen. I don't think it will. But, you know, we never say never and we never try and force anything. We just enjoy life and take it as it comes. So you're indeed open to a quadruple or a quintuple were it to come to that. Yeah. Who, who knows, right? If it happens, it happens, but it's not something we're working towards. It's just, you know, just enjoying life. Right now, you know, I've got one girlfriend who's in New York having a wonderful time with a woman that she really enjoys spending time with and who has spent many nights sleeping over, but there's just not been any intimacy. And we've spoken about it, you know, like I'm cool with it. I'm like, yeah, if something happens, great, enjoy it. But it just hasn't happened yet. So, you know, my girlfriend's not not worried about it or forcing anything. She's just enjoying it. And likewise, me and my other girlfriend right now are doing a lot of work back in Austin, working in the business and spending time with the kids. So just relaxing, right? That's the whole point. Like I said, if, you, if you're happy, you win. Yeah. So, I mean, bringing this full circle, it's not like you're in a relationship with two women because, hey, look at me, I got two women and you only have one. It's because you're flexible in terms of how relationships are designed. This is the design of the relationship that meets the needs of the three of you. And, you know, whether you're going to say it out loud on the Today Show or not, there's still other women who come along. Absolutely. You know, you have lots of flexibility. So if we don't want to use the word luck, the good fortune that you've experienced, of course, is self-made because you've learned all about women and become very sexually confident, of course, and good at relationships and good with women. Mm-hmm. But the good fortune is that you get to craft your relationship with a woman and with maybe two women, and you're respectful enough of the women in your life that they have a say in the matter and you just make sure you're with the right kind of women who believe the same way you do about relationships and the rest pretty much takes care of itself in terms of getting along, connecting, getting each other, dealing with whatever puzzles come up in life exactly as if you were Emily and I or another couple in a monogamous relationship. It's just you have a more open, innovative design to it. 100%. Yeah, it pretty much covers it. What would you say to these guys who are thinking this is for them and they'd like to try it. Would you give them caution saying, Hey, you know, you don't want to just do this because of what it is. You don't want to do it for an objective reason. You really want to explore the relationships you have with women in your life and find out if it happens naturally, or is it something that you can engineer if it's what you really want? 
I mean, for you, it sounds almost like it was happenstance that the three of you got together. What advice do you have for these guys? It's definitely something you can engineer. Like, you know, I think in my situation, I met a bisexual woman who wanted this and I was open to it and allowed it to go the way that it is. And since then, I've dealt with a lot of students that have wanted it and would help them do it. But for the average guy, I would say, first of all, get good at just dating because a large part of it is you have to be confident enough to state what you want. And many people aren't or they're so confident in stating what they want that they alienate people. There is an art to being 100 percent honest and authentic about who you are without pushing people away. And so, you know, I get people to focus on that first. You know, it, it was only once I'd crossed X amount of, you know, hundreds of partners that I started to truly realize what I liked and what I enjoyed. Um, you know, I remember, you know, when I was younger, I was trying to have sex for as long as possible to prove that was the best. And then I didn't realize that I was actually hurting a lot of women because I was trying to prove that I could last the longest. And most women didn't want that. They wanted to orgasm faster. That was their goal. And so, you know, you learn these things and you become more confident, as you said, sexually and in relationships. And that's when you can start to explore and say, okay, I can successfully satisfy one woman very well. I know what I'm doing and and I am open to, to you know, having more than one. And then you've got to find a partner that wants the same because, you know, it's like with everything. If, if you really like football and your partner doesn't like football, football is always going to be a problem. Whereas if you both like football, you're going to really enjoy football season. It depends on what kind of football you're talking about. <laughs> you know, the, the game where you kick a ball around with your foot. Football. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Guys are hearing your British accent and they're wondering. So we needed a little bit of clarification there. Yeah. Um, one last question, and this may be a bit of a sticky wicket to appeal to your British sensibilities. <laughs> it's politically incorrect to presume we can change someone's sexual orientation. Yet, girlfriend number one in the current scenario, we're going to call her that because she's the first one you met and started a relationship with was absolutely lesbian. And somehow she decided maybe she's actually bisexual after she met you. What part, if any, did you play in that? Or was it simply you're hanging out with her innocently without any real presumption she's ever going to take you to bed or vice versa? And then she just came out with it. Did you do anything? I, I love that. I love that you said that. Um, did I do anything? Yes, absolutely. I was constantly being my same attractive self and being open to any uh, situation that can happen. And I do this with all women, you know, whether you're friends with somebody or whether you're in a, in a, you know, in an actual romantic relationship, I'm always open to the fact that I'll have sex with any of my friends that I'm attracted to at any time. And although she was actively a lesbian at the time, you know, she made it clear her sexuality as most people's is, is on a spectrum and she'd been with men before. So it wasn't out of the realm of possibility. She just wasn't really attracted to them and had found that she'd had so many bad experiences with men that it was just not something she wanted to pursue. But in me, she found this balance of masculine and feminine that she actually enjoyed, where I would be quite dominant and sexual in the bedroom, but also in real life was open to listening to her needs and hearing her stories and having emotional discussions. And so she found a balance that she found attractive. Man, so many men pissing in our own swimming pool by being morons with women and giving them bad experiences, being pushy, being needy, not knowing how to be masculine. And it just spoils it for all of us, themselves included, right? It really does. I, you know, I love what you said about not knowing how to be masculine. It's so true. Most men's idea of what masculine is, is not masculine at all. It's macho. It's, it's childish. That too. Yeah. This is where you get the toxic masculinity debate without any regard 
for what virtuous masculinity is. There's nobody talking about it. Right. Exactly. Yeah. There's such a difference. And, you know, there is nothing more attractive than, you know, than a guy who is being a protector and a lover and somebody who cares and is thoughtful. Like that's what's attractive. Um, you know, someone who's not being scared or needy or desperate. Whereas these big top, you know, guys that like all trying to be, you know, I look at me, I'm the big I am, look how great I am. They're so busy talking about themselves that they don't care about anyone else. And that's unattractive. They can't protect anyone. They can, you know, they're just too busy talking about themselves. You know, just to put a cherry on top of this whole conversation, I bet that's exactly how you successfully manage a relationship with two women is exactly how you just described. Oh yeah, 100%. And it's great because there's more feminine energy in my relationship than masculine energy. Um, and so I have to balance it out by being more masculine. And it confirms that masculinity isn't me being aggressive because the aggression would just make the women feel intimidated. It's by being thoughtful and caring and protective and dealing with it. You know, there was a situation yesterday, the, the woman that's in New York, um, her flight got canceled and I spent an hour on the phone trying to get alternate arrangements for her so that she was okay. And, you know, she phoned me knowing that I would be there for her. Amazing. You know, because there's three of you and you're in a relationship, when something happens with one of the kids, everybody treats that kid as if he or she was their own, right? 100%. Yeah. And if someone's not in the mood for it tonight, you know, the other two can go have at it and the other person will Netflix and chill, right? It's one of my favorite things to do is to just sleep while two women are having sex. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> it smells nice too. It does. It's just like, they're like giggling and cute and it's like, and it's always long, like, you know, cause it's gentle and I'll just like drift off and then wake up and there's two beautiful people having sex and I'll drift off again and wake up and it's still going on. It's like such a great evening. <laughs> I imagine. Yeah. It, well, I, I'm sure I'm absolutely positive it is. And that's all I'm going to say. And with that segue, what we're going to do is send you to where you can find out more about Adam and what he's got going on that's going to make you too better with women. Some of you guys are probably champing at the bit for that after we've had a conversation like this, I'm sure. So Adam, the name of your site is askthedatingcoach.com. What I'm going to do is what I always do. And that's set up a URL that's www.mountaintoppodcast.com front slash lions with a Y, L-Y-O-N-S. And uh, what are guys going to find when they click on that link, Adam? I think one of the best things about it is just it's a bunch of like free downloads and like little PDF books that, you know, everything's just completely free. You can go there and check it out and have a look and, uh, you know, learn a lot more about how I think, how I do things, how we help people with their dating life. And uh, we just want to, you know, be out there and helping people. As I said, it's, it's uh, one of many businesses that I run at this point. Very good. And you're helping people scale their business also, right? Yeah, that's uh, the main business now is uh, we help people scale their business to seven figures and beyond. So that's uh, a larger part of what we do. But I never wanted to give up the dating. I always said I'd keep helping no matter what. Yeah, I mean, no matter what other niches, whatever other business ventures I get into, I love. My heart is always with helping men get better with women and also women get better with men. I just think the relationship with your significant other or others in your case is – probably next to spirituality, the most important thing in one's entire life. And it's worth setting your purpose toward as a man, helping make the world a better place and leave it that way as such. And um, yeah, I'm glad you're still in the game, man. Thanks, man. Me too. It was really good catching up, Scott. Really good. Yeah. Likewise. Thank you for stopping by. Thank you, brother. And gentlemen, if you've not been to www.mountaintoppodcast.com yet, we likewise have a bunch of free stuff for you. It's going to be an all you can carry sale 
by the time you end up going to mountaintoppodcast.com and mountaintoppodcast.com front slash lions, L-Y-O-N-S, because both Adam and I are going to stock you chock-a-block, as they say where he comes from, with <laughs> lots of free goodies. On my site, for my part, you can join the free newsletter where I'll help you get better with women every single day as a man of character. And I'll also give you a free book on how to handle breakups, another free book on how to handle just about any sticking point you can ever think of that comes with getting to know women better and being a man who loves women. And you can also get a 25-minute consultation with me for free by clicking the red button in the upper right and see if a coaching program is right for you. Plus many other things, including the Amazon page where you can download all the different books from all the different guests who've been on. And now, if you haven't heard, you can also get a transcript of every show from episode 150 onward and watch on YouTube if you would like to do that. It's all for you there at www.mountaintoppodcast.com. And until I talk to you again real soon on the next episode, this is Scott McKay from sunny San Antonio, Texas. Be good out there. The Mountaintop Podcast is produced by X and Y Communications. All rights reserved worldwide. Be sure to visit www.mountaintoppodcast.com for show notes. And while you're there, sign up for the free X and Y Communications newsletter for men. This is Ed Roy Odom speaking for The Mountaintop Podcast. <laughs>